everybody, welcome to Enjoying the Journey. It's so good to be able to sit down with a good friend of mine, Lauren Bannock, who's with Life 96.5. I've gotten to know her over the years through our festival, Rise Fest. She has been uh, just a trooper through life and encouragement, but recently went through something extremely difficult over the last year. And I really wanted her to share with you today uh, her perspective of, of walking through a very challenging season. So if you would, please welcome Lauren to Enjoying the Journey today. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. I'm surprised you want to hear my story. Yeah. You know, most of it, but yeah, but this is, like you said, this last year has been kind of challenging. Well, people use the word uh, going through seasons. And if you're a Midwest individual, seasons don't last forever, except for that one season called winter. It seems to last forever. Forever. <laughs> and, you know, we all go through these seasons. That's why I love the title of this podcast, Enjoying the Journey. Life is a journey. There's ups, there's downs. Sometimes we may even plane out a little bit where it's, it's similar for a while. But when we talk about seasons, I always think they're supposed to be short. That's not true. Sometimes seasons can last for three months, four months, 12 months. And it's, it's like, wow, how do we, how do we navigate that? You know, if your season's going on for a while, how do, how do you navigate the hard in it? And I have found a lot of encouragement and I know others have from you. And so I think today is just a great day to talk about, you know, obviously we want to give a little background to our listeners that maybe don't uh, know who you are, but then also what you've been walking through and what it was like from the start a year ago to where you're at today and everything in between. Yeah, so I work at Life 96.5. I do the morning show and and also program director here, but um, uh, married and and have three girls. My oldest daughter got married this year. Wow. Like crazy, uh, right? What's I, that like? I, I, I know that's totally off topic, mm-hmm. but, but what is that like? It's still surreal is where it? I'm like, she's married, but I did go visit her already. Really? Her, yep, her and Caden and uh, in the middle of Wyoming. And, um, and so that was awesome. And I just, she was excited because she was like, you can come this way anytime if you want to come see, you know, that yeah. first newly married and yeah. you kind of want to show off your house and where you live and what you do. And so to see that, it was just, it's still, it's really weird that yeah. I have a daughter, a 23 year old daughter who's married, but it's awesome. Cause now I have a son, you know, I only had three girls and now I've got a son. So I bet your husband is praising God. <laughs> There's another boy in the family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, yeah, that, that's part of the journey. Uh, my kids are getting older, not, not married yet, of course. And yeah, there's this weird dynamic of you want to see their success. You want to see them grow up. And at the same time, you almost feel a little lost as they, I probably sound crazy. Every other dad on the things like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's great when they're out of the house, but it's kind of this weird, surreal moment of, oh, they just grew up and, yeah. huh. I know. I would love to keep them all around the house, but we were meant to fly little birdie fly, like raise them up to be this way. And I know it has to happen, but it's still hard to let them go. It is. Well, that's exciting. So your daughter got married this summer mm-hmm. and, and give us a little bit more background. Yes, you do a phenomenal job here on Life 96.5. Bring sunshine to everybody's morning on the morning show, mm-hmm. but give us a little background on, uh, yeah, just Lauren from younger to Lauren now and <laughs> all that. That's good a stuff. whole nother podcast. I know it's I, I, I know we, we can't do it all, but just a little background and then we'll get into uh this season that 
that you've been in. Maybe of just even how I got to like yes. 96.5, because I think a lot of people maybe don't know that. Um, just the, you know, I, I stayed at home with my girls and and raised them and homeschooled them. And during that time, I was, I, when I would go into my, my bedroom and have my quiet <laughs> devotional time with God while they were working on their their school, I was just like, okay, Lord, what else do you want to use me for? Not that homeschooling wasn't enough in itself, you know, but, but just what else do you want to do with me? And I would just sincerely pray that of just like, use me, Lord, however that looks. Well, then he laid on my heart uh, to do Operation Prom Dress Ministry, started that through church and, um, and did that. That started back in 2007. And Mm. so little did I know now looking back on it, that he was preparing me to be on Life 96.5. Believe it or not, I was really shy. I was. I was shy, and I, w- really? I didn't have much confidence. Yeah, I wouldn't look people in the eye. Oh, wow. um, it was hard for me to ask people for things, and through Operation Prom Dress, I had no idea what that would look like. So I totally relied on God going, okay, this is your ministry, Lord. Like, sure. what do I do now? So people would ask me questions. Well, what about this? What does this look like? I'm like, I don't know. I got to go talk to God, and then I'll let you know. And I think they looked at me like I was crazy, but I'm like, seriously, it's his ministry. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I got to connect with them. And, and through that, reaching out to people, asking for donations and going to bridal shops and asking for donations of dresses and, and being turned down. I mean, that was so hard Mm -hmm. stepping out of my comfort zone, but growing me to this, because after that, as I was in the thick of doing that ministry, I was like, okay, Lord, what's next? Like, I feel like we got that under control. It's a rolling ball. Now, what else do you want to do with me? Because just seeing how he could use you, that got you more excited. And so then got an email from Dave Ryerson, who used to work here. And it was the weirdest question ever. And I opened up my email and I read it like, would you ever consider working on the radio station? I was like, you're funny, God. (laughs) Like, I did not see that coming like in a million years. Would have never thought I'd be on the radio station. But just asking God, use me and being willing to be. That's how ultimately I ended up here. Wow. From a prom dress to, no. to the program director. Mom to, to this, yeah. On Life 96.5. Yeah. And you get to give nuggets every day uh, to individuals as they drive to work or, or starting their day at home, whatever that may look like. So you've, you've been here how long? Uh, since 2010, started filling in at, in 2010, so 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. And you've been able to give people little nuggets throughout their day with faith. Uh, life is going pretty well. You've got your your daughters, your husband. I know he he made a career change. Yeah, midway. Yep, police officer here in Sioux Falls. Yes, yeah. which is exciting. So yes, there's been some changes uh, along the way with with your journey, and then all of a sudden you have been our good friend at Rise Fest. Uh, whether you're throwing T-shirts out from the stage, helping MCing, working the Life ninety six point five booth, it was two summers ago. Last summer. It was last summer. Last summer. Not this year, but yep, 2021. 2021, you get done with Rise Fest and take us us through that. Yeah, so um, Rise Fest wrapping up Saturday night, Um, go through my Sunday like normal, go to church and hang out with family and do all that. And then I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I've I've rolled over on my side. I'm ready to close my eyes. And I feel God just saying, you got to check your right side. And I was like, what? 
but Lord, you know, I don't do that. Like I don't do a self-exam Right. and it wasn't my left side. It was just this strong prompting from God of you got to check your right side. And I'm like, uh, all right, I'll humor you. Okay. And I check, well, I find a lump mm. and I'm like, oh man, mm-hmm. like that's not supposed to be there. Right. But what can I do? I mean, so I'll roll over and I'll go to sleep, deal with it tomorrow. Right. So then my husband comes home and I asked him, Hey, uh, I think there's something on my right side. Can you check? Yeah. Hoping that I was crazy, you know, and there was nothing there. And sure enough, he checked and he's like, Oh, I feel something. I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. So I call my doctor and she said, Nope. Yep. Go ahead and schedule that mammogram. Mm -hmm. Go right to the cancer Institute. They got an appointment. So I had to wait um, a week for even just my mammogram to be scheduled. So you go about your life and doing that and just assuming in your mind, you know, trying to not go down the road of all the what ifs, stopping those thoughts of like, nope, it's just a fibroid. I'm a fibroid kind of gal. It's, Mm. you know, it's just how I live my life. So it's just, it's just going to, we're just going to assume it's a fibroid until I hear something different. So a week went on and then I went to go get my mammogram and they, they looked at me and they said, cause they didn't see it on the mammogram. Mm. And, um, it was just in a, uh, location that they really couldn't get to. And they said, are you, so you feel something? And I said, Oh, come here, I'll show you. Mm. And they felt it and, um, said, okay. And took me down to ultrasound and they did an ultrasound of it. And sure enough, there it is on the ultrasound. And then he said, okay, why don't you come back first thing in the morning to do a biopsy mm. and then biopsy and you wait for two days mm. And got the call and I was at work here and about to, it was my last day. I was about to go on vacation Mm. and uh, wrapping things up and about to walk out of the office here. And I got a call from my doctor and she, she said, uh, well, it's not such great news. And I was Mm. like, oh, and at that, that moment you just start, you know, saying it's okay. It'll Mm. be okay. I'm telling my doctor, it'll be okay. Um, and so she said it's invasive ductal carcinoma and, um, and she was crying and I was crying and I just kept reassuring her, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she prayed with me and, um, she said, okay, just, I said, well, I'm about to go on vacation. Can I still go on vacation or what do you want me to do from this point? And, um, uh, she said, no, you need to go on vacation. You need to be with your family. You need to take this time for you because it's going to be a whirlwind after this. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, okay. She goes, when I hang up, you're going to get lots of calls from a lot of a lot of people. Sure. First one's going to be your navigator who's going to help you kind of organize all this and, and tell you what to do because it can be a very overwhelming process. And so hung up and I, I remember um, just, I mean, you're shaking the whole time. And I remember just walking out of the office, like just so surreal. And I walked up to Brad and he was the only one here. And I said, I have cancer. I got to go. And that threw him for a loop. He was like, he just sat there with this look on his face. Like, I have no, what did she just say? I'm like, I, ha- I have to go. I got to go. Like, I have to get to my family. And mm. when, you know, I get in the car and that morning, Here's my PSA, get gas in the morning before you head into work because you don't know what's going to happen next. But got in, I had to stop and get gas. I was on E Uh, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to make it out there. Sure. 
So I run to the gas station real quick and I'm like, and just shaking the whole time. Like I, it feels it like it's taking so long to get to my destination, to get mm. to my family. And I just have to tell them and like break down, but I have to hold it together until then. Right. And so I'm pumping gas and I look over at a gentleman across from me who's pumping gas and I have these big crocodile tears in my eyes, just like, please don't say anything to me. Don't look at me. Nobody, like, I don't, I can't handle an interaction right now. But I looked at him and I was like, he has no idea what I, what news I just received. Right. Not that I want him to, you know, no, not that he should know and not feeling bad for me or anything, but it was just like, but I don't know what's going on in his life either. You know, somebody's always got something. And I just remember thinking that, pumping the gas, getting into the car and making my way to my family. So you get to your family and tell them? Yeah, they were actually with, um, it was at my in-laws and cause all of my husband's family was there coming mm-hmm. in cause we were all going to go out to Black Hills That's right. for vacation. vacation. Yep. And so they were all sitting around and I just remember I have to get to them. Where are they? Mm. And walked out the back door. They were sitting on the patio and I just looked at him and said, it's cancer and just broke down in tears Mm. and just, and it's interesting. You just, you get that all out of the way. And then there's the first step, I guess, uh, first phase when you realize you have cancer, um, it, you go into this survival mode. And so you get all of that out of the way you start calling, you know, so I'm calling my dad and my mom and my sister and my family, just those who, um, and a couple of my girls that weren't there wanted to call them and inform them as they were on their way out to grandma and grandpa's. And, and so you go down the list of, okay, here's, I got to inform people. And then the phone rings and boom, that's your first appointment. And you're like, okay, grab a pen and paper. Here we go. Survival mode. What do I got to do? And it's a weird switch going from like no control, losing it emotionally Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, okay, tell me what I got to do. But it's just the interesting page, but it's called survival mode. Yeah. Interesting. So being somebody of faith and, and, sharing nuggets with individuals every morning to this. What happens with your relationship with almighty God through all of this? What, what was there ever a question? Was there ever really God really? Or why? Um, Yeah. What, what, what was that like? Yeah. I, I, Honestly, never did question why God. Mm. Um, I I heard a a saying, don't confuse God with life because our circumstances in life, you know, it's life's unfair. We're going to go through trials and difficulties. And that's just what Jesus said, you know, and that's why we have him to cling to. And so I, I guess I never pointed a finger at him and said, why God? It was more of, I took it back to that night laying in bed, mm-hmm. him, him prompting me to mm. find it going, look at you, Lord. Like, okay. You know, he, he's like, here, this is a journey that you're going to go on. Yep. It sucks. I don't want to go on it, but him, that was him just saying, okay, this is what, what you've got. You've got cancer. Mm. I want you to find it and 
but I'm going to show you that I'm walking with you right from the start. Like that was the piece I needed mm. to get through this. And so I kept going back where I'm like, he's got me from day one, wow. from that moment, he's got me. And he showed me like, no one wants to go through this, but, right. but I led you to it. And look, this is what we're going to go on. We're going to do it together. And so that I, that just gave me that piece. You know, when you talk about peace that surpasses all understanding, that's what that was through this whole thing. Not that I wasn't like, you know, thinking of, you know, just, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get poked and prodded anymore. Right. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to be here, all of that. But it was just like, but I got God, like he's with me. And that just gave me that ultimate peace through it all. That's unbelievable. Cause, cause I think for some mm-hmm. it's blaming, right? Cause God's all powerful. Mm-hmm. So it says, well, you could take care of this. I wouldn't mm-hmm. need to be poked, prodded, et cetera. And I love your perspective of, well, he's the one that told me it was there and that he's got me through all of this because it's not going to be fun. It is going to be a journey. Um, You are now a year? Yep, a year from ringing the bell and being deemed cancer-free. So What's that feel Yes, um, surreal, once again. Mm -hmm. All of this, like even just this last year, it's just felt so surreal. Like, I went through cancer? What? This is just, okay, because you just, I think, just go through the motions. And it's so fast and so overwhelming, and you really don't have time to breathe or think through it. But, but man, ringing the bell, that brought back a lot of emotions. I didn't, I didn't expect, um, the mental weight of it, mm-hmm. you know, and coming to find out when I had my one year with my breast surgeon, um, she, she said, you know, you, you're experiencing P- PTSD. It's a traumatic thing mm-hmm. that you've gone through, sure. you know, even just walking through the doors, she's like, it's not, that I gave you the best news a year ago, you know, it brings all of that, the flood of emotion back when you're going through it a year later. She said, you know, it'll start to subside over the years, but it'll always be there. That traumatic experience. I'm like, I never really thought about that. Like, you're like, Ooh, you know, I'm a year in, I've, uh, you know, from ringing the bell and, and, and then to have just kind of relive it all, watching the videos, watching, you know, looking at pictures and going back through it was um, really emotionally heavy on me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, does it does it still happen from time to time? Do you still? Yeah, there's still those those moments that that come. You know, the waves, the flood of emotion. Something will trigger it, mm-hmm. and you know it's hard to because you want to. I like to have things done and check them off the list. Mm -hmm. And this is a journey and it's going to keep going on because you're going to keep getting checkups, you know, and every six months, you know, going to be doing that. And, and so this, you kind of want to, it's a conflicting thing. I mean, the whole journey of cancer, it's very conflicting um, in your mind. You have a lot of battles and, and, in your mind that you have to fight that you never really thought you'd have to fight mm-hmm. that pop up. But, um, even just every time I have another doctor's appointment, I actually will either take off the day, mm. um, from work or leave sure. early because it's that emotionally heavy mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, walking back through the doors, bringing all that back. But, um, you kind of want it just to be done, but I get, you have to do the checkups, which is great. Cause if it comes back, you want to be able to attack it right away again. But, 
it's really hard to celebrate and be like, ah, I'm cancer free, but yet you're still having to have checkups and things along the way. Sure. So it's very conflicting. Like I want to be happy and I am yes, and celebrate, but there's still that reminder. Okay. But you're still going through the journey when you just want to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You described that. I had never thought about that before either, but I remember not a cancer diagnosis, but my MD diagnosis yeah. when I was five, I can still smell the hallway I walked in. Mm. I still don't like hospitals to this day. Um, and I never thought, why? Yeah. Right? I never, right. I just yeah. thought, oh, I just don't like them. Mm-hmm. But now that makes a whole lot of sense. I yeah. got not very good news that particular day. Right. Plus they did a procedure on me that was a little painful. Yeah. I, yeah. And I didn't enjoy it. And those it, traumatic experiences, I, I've read about that where the traumatic experiences, when they happen, that's something that you, it's stored in the back of your brain even yeah. more so. All of the senses and everything that surrounds it when it's something traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I've been talking to other individuals uh, lately, too, about grief. Yeah, And, and I'm assuming there's a lot of grief right. through all of this. And right. we don't always understand what's going to trigger it, how it's going to come out, and, and things like that. And so to explain that, especially to those listening today, that if they've walked this journey, had a loved one walk this journey, this idea of PTSD when they go back to doctor's appointments, et cetera, that it's not just the mental weight but there's a grief to it as well because before I walk through those doors and and, unless I've got it wrong, uh, correct me. But before I walked through those doors, I didn't have bad news. I I, I didn't understand that. But as soon as I went through those doors and the doctor gave me my life forever changed. And I think we don't always look at that as a society and be like, there's grief in that. Mm -hmm. The life that you knew, the life that you understood before, is gone. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to grieve that. Right. right. It, it's, it's part of the process mm-hmm. in, in knowing that I'm on this journey. And so when I get a call from the doctor, I've got to go for a checkup. There's, there's probably going to be some grief. Right. And and, it's and okay. It's okay. And that's part of the healing, yes. you know, and, um, and don't ever put like, a end date on your grieving, no matter what you're going through, right? Right. Don't expect to be done like, you know, or, or for someone else to be like, well, that happened so long ago. You should be past that. Don't Mm. ever do that to someone, you know? I mean, just even thinking about if, um, you know, people, when you first get the diagnosis and you're walking through this and you share it with people it's awesome the response of people stepping up and saying, "I ah, help me, let me know if you need anything, right? And so then you, um, if you are that person, honestly wanting to help someone who is going through a hard time or cancer journey, my advice would be just to just tell them what you're going to do and just do it mm. because you're so overwhelmed because you're getting so much information at the hospital, at the cancer institute with the doctors, and you're just overwhelmed with all of it and trying to keep it all straight and trying to answer texts and mm. and phone calls, and it's just a lot. Sure. So I would say just know that it's okay if you don't answer your phone. It's okay if you don't answer the texts. You need to rest. You've got to have time to process. But if you are someone from church or a family member, someone wanting to help someone, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like I want to bring a meal, just tell them, text them, I'm going to bring you a meal. I'm going to bring you dinner on Tuesday. 
And then also, um, when you do that, because you can kind of just, you just want to be alone. It's like I said, it's a mental battle. You, you want people to help you and to show that they're there for support, but then you also just kind of want to hide, you know, and, and just kind of be, because you've been like a cattle, you know, shoved and brought, right. And so, um, so then you can even just tell them, Hey, you don't even have to answer the door. I'll leave your meal at your door. I'll knock, I'll walk away. You don't even have to talk to me if you Mm. don't want, you know, just letting them just understanding from that perspective of what they're going through, what would be, cause you don't want to, you might not want to, you might not feel like, entertaining, talking to people, you know, um, I had a friend from church who, who, um, I was talking to and she said, Hey, what, um, what do you need? What can I help you with? And I said, honestly, um, I, when I walk through my doors, I look at the landscape and I see all these weeds. Mm. So, okay, I'm coming over. I'm going to grab some kids to help me. And we're going to come over on this date and we're going to pull your weeds. And I was like, thank you. Like it's, it's silly, you know, it seems right. Something like that can wait, but that was a blessing because then every time I walked through the door, I didn't have to look at the weeds again. Mm -hmm. And she just did it. She made it happen and walked away. Like, you don't even know we're here. We're going to do it. And then we're going to leave. So I think if you're wanting to help, don't leave it open ended and just say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And if not, then tell me, but this is what we're going to do because there's just so many answers and questions and everything you have, all these decisions that you have to make. It's one less thing for you to decide, okay, I don't know, come Friday, you know, sure. it's just one less thing off, off your plate to have to have to figure out. No, that's good to know. Cause I think people do want to help. Yeah. Um, I, I've also heard individuals walking through situations that sometimes people just don't know what to say. (laughs) So they say things that actually can be very offensive. Uh, Do you have any examples of what not to say? Let me count the ways. No, um, just, yeah, there's, it it is hard. It's hard because it's a journey that you haven't gone through and others may not know, like you said, Rob, what to say or they have, because they haven't gone through it or it makes them feel uncomfortable. And so there's once again, it goes back to the mental battle in your mind. You have to understand that that they don't know, and so right. a lot of forgiveness, a lot of um, a lot of patience with people, um, compassion, even on that part. Um, but one one of the things I would say is, don't say at least you're not dying, <laughs> or at least this, like the worst case scenario. Mm. Don't do that because sure. it's huge. Cancer, you know. It's huge right. to walk through. And it's like, I know that, okay, once the doctor says that you're going to be okay, mm-hmm. um, that's a relief in itself, but not something that should be said. Right. You know, um, oftentimes that word just, mm. it belittles, yes. you know, and we use it a lot. Like, oh, I used to use it as I'm just a stay at home mom. And one of my friends said, you're not just, you are a stay at home mom. Right. That's huge. Don't yeah. belittle what you're doing. And so that stuck with me. And so, uh, the word just, well, at least it's just this, or at least it's just that, or at least you just get to have radiation and it's not chemo or this or that, you know, yep. it belittles what you're, you're going through. So watch, watch that word. Um, and 
even I think when, when people, when you don't know what to do in that situation, just come up to them and just sit by them. Don't say anything. Mm. It's, it's hard. People, you know, it can be hard because people don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. Because they feel like they have to say something. Yes. And they're, they're um, uncomfortable in the silence, you know. And, and that's what, I don't want a cheerleader. Maybe others do, but mm. I, and I'm a positive person. So right. you would think I'd want a cheerleader. Right. But I didn't want a cheerleader. I didn't want you to say it was going to be okay. And hey, da, 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 right? Um, I don't want to hear that. Just sit with me in it. Just sit and cry with me in it. Put your arm around me. Hug me. Just be quiet and just just sit yeah. in the suck, you right. know, in it with me. And that's, I think that can just be huge. You don't have to say anything, just a hug, uh, send a text, a smile, an emoji. I had a friend in Omaha and, and she's like, I'm not going to bombard you. Cause I know you're going through a lot and you've got a lot of people that you have to respond to, but I want you to know that I'm thinking of you. So I'm just going to send an emoji, but don't feel like you have to respond. Mm. And so it might be a frog. It might've been a, a heart. It might've been a unicorn, you know, whatever right. kind of emoji, but just knowing that she was thinking of me, mm. that was huge. And then letting that off my shoulders and knowing that I didn't have to respond and say anything back. Cause sometimes you just don't want to. Right. You know? Yeah. Sometimes I think women are really good at those little emojis. And I'm thinking to myself, how do I help somebody? I don't want to say something offensive, but I suck at emojis. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, even when people wish people a happy birthday, they always got the nice little, I'm like, why can't I be that good at, at emojis? But no, I, I, I think that's such good advice because you don't know what to say. I'm so glad you used the word belittle. Yeah. We so often, I think we say it, I really think we say it to bring encouragement to others. Yeah. At least you don't right. see, you don't have it so bad. Oh, somebody's always got it worse than you. Yeah, I get that. They do. And I know that. Right. But right now what I'm in yeah. sucks. Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's not that I don't understand that somebody doesn't have it worse, that it couldn't be worse, that, that I could go through all of the, that. That's not the point. My whole world just got shattered. Right. And I'm in a moment of, I don't want to feel sorry for myself, but at the same time, I don't want to put a Band-Aid on it because it hurts right now. And I just want to cry or yeah. whatever that emotion is. It goes back to that grieving. Let yes. me grieve. This is a process. You know, yeah. and let me just work it out and just quietly be there to support. Yeah, I, I think that is is really good. I, I love the word you use, belittle, and I really love, what did you say, just. It's just. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's good advice because let's be honest, uh, we don't call this enjoying the journey just because it's a nice little slogan or, or title for a podcast, but it's it's serious. I mean, everybody's going through something. Right. So whether you're listening right now and you have a friend or you personally walk through cancer or cancer is not even on your radar, but somebody's walking through this, take the advice of sitting with somebody in their grief or not using the word just, well, it's just, mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's, that's so extremely good. Uh, you're, you're a year out mm -hmm. has perspective, changed at all? I, I know we talked about the PTSD still being there. 
and the mental battle, but, but what's it like now? What, what are we almost 14, 16 months roughly? Mm-hmm. If it was since June, the diagnosis. yeah, mm-hmm. since, since mm-hmm. what's it like now? It's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at a place where when, you know, sharing my story, you know, going through it, um, the journey in the thick of it last year, I didn't want to hear others' stories. Mm. I didn't want to hear, um, because we tend to say the negative. We tend to tell the worst version when, oh man, I went through this. Oh. Let me tell you. And so I was like, nope, la la la. Don't, yeah. I don't want to hear, I yep. don't want to hear that. Um, now I am, I, I just kind of wanted to learn on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, even I think the doctors, that's kind of how they did it too. Where it's like, we're not going to tell you the consequences or really the side effects or the outcomes of this because not everybody has them. And we want you to just, that's one thing that they, they would tell me over and over from day one. This is your journey. Yes. This is your journey and others, um, and they have good hearts. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, help me to remember this as I'm sharing with someone who just began this cancer journey of just, um, you know, you want to reach out and, and share your story and and think it'll help. And Mm. they might not want to hear it. Like I didn't want to hear, hear it. I just wanted to go through it without being kind of tainted, you know, in my, my thoughts. Um, but they just kept saying, it's your story. And sometimes, you know, bless their heart. They have their opinions on, you know, well, this, my friend went through this. And so why not this? Or what about this? Or this is how, but even just yep. learning about for breast cancer, um, it's so complex. You would think you have breast cancer, you treat it this way. This is how it is. It's a one size fits all. And it's not, it's mm. so complex. It just depends on what type you have, how they treat it, how, what surgery you have, what the, I mean, just there's so, it's so, so broad. And I found that out. And so it was just that reminder of this is your journey. You're going on this. Um, if you have to protect yourself, you know, and be a little bit selfish and just say, this is not what I need, but what I need is this. That's okay. Um, so not going from that, not, not wanting to hear stories, um, to, to take it to worst case scenario. Cause I was trying to battle that and stop all the what ifs and take yep. all those thoughts captive, which was hard enough. Mm-hmm. Right. You get a thought and you're like, well, what if this, no. And it was this nonstop. Some days it was nonstop. No, not going to go there. No, I'm not going to go there. Like minute after minute after minute. And other days it was like once and I'd be okay. And so I didn't need help going to the what ifs and the worst case scenarios and the negativity. And now I think, you know, this a year later, I can, I can, I'm okay. And I'm in a good place to where I can hear other stories and, and connect with other women. Sure. And there's something about that when someone else has gone through it or going through it, man, my heart aches for them. And if you're going through it, I'm sorry, because it's hard. Um, but 
if you're okay hearing other stories, there's so much encouragement in that because they can relate to you. Another, another person going through the same thing, man, you start talking and you're like, and I felt this and they're like, yes, I felt that too. And this, and just connection that you have and that, and just a hug. And that's enough said, I mean, you just feel like, man, they get me, they get me. And so at that part, being able to share my story or talking to other women that are going through it and hearing their story, you just feel like you're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's great advice. I, 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 I think that's phenomenal advice. Some people want to hear stories and others are just let me figure this out. Just kind of see own. where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need more doubts in my mind or what ifs. I, I need a, it was such great wisdom there. I know we could go on forever. <laughs> there is so much here today. We always like to ask our guests if there is anybody you could bring on the journey with you, past or present, who would it be and why? <laughs> All right. So you're going to, I know, I know, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And do you're going to laugh. But I like, seriously, it's, it goes back to just, um, it's cliche. I know it's like the church answer, but really like it's Jesus. I mean, who else understands you? Right. See, you're going to laugh. You're like, you got a little seat. There it is. Go ahead. Get it out, Rob. No, Go ahead. Get it I, out. When we put this question in, I was so afraid that everybody that was going right. to go, yeah. my husband or my wife. Oh. Because obviously we love them being right. on the journey. Right. And then, yeah, my other one, would it be Jesus? I don't, I, I laugh a little, but yeah. I don't. Because I got asked that same question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't go with Jesus, mm-hmm. but I went with one of his disciples. Okay. I went with Peter. Yeah. Because he was he was a little right. rough around the edges, yeah. went after things. So yeah. so okay. I, I you get on along get, the same yes, lines. Yes, I can get on where you're going. I mean, because I mean, just thinking about humans, we're great, right. but we're not perfect, right? <laughs> no. And so and we don't know things. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But just I'm just like, who else understands you better? Yeah. Than him. I mean. For crying out loud, he led me to find it, you know, the, the right. cancer. And so I'm just like, that was, he was perfect from the start. Like, and he, he knows all, he knows how, what you need. Mm-hmm. He knows how to encourage you. He know. I mean, just nothing takes him by surprise. Like, and he never sends you into it alone. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he's he goes before you. He's behind you. He's beside you. He knows what you're facing. He's actively responding to your needs. He's fighting for you. And so that I tried. I tried to think because I'm like, all right, well, they're going to be upset if I don't say this or this or this. But I'm like, (laughs) I think they all understand because I mean, he's your best bud. I mean, he's Jesus. He's your friend. He's, He's everything. And so. I think when you have that relationship with him, whatever circumstance comes your way in life, mm-hmm. you can, you just know he's got you. Mm-hmm. You've got that relationship, you know, yeah. built up that trust built up. And, and that helps with the, with the not, you know, going, why God life's not fair. You know right. I mean? That and not, and there's, it's okay if you do because he's big enough and he can take it. Right. But, I think it it just kind of changes your perspective a little bit when you're like you really believe that he's got you. Mm-hmm. He's he knows all before you're walking. I mean, right? And he proves himself time and time again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's no longer a, a, a statement. I, I got this, you know, God. <laughs> I've heard that mm-hmm. 
people use it on their mugs or their T-shirts or whatever. Yeah. It's not just a slogan. It's not just something I look at when I drink coffee. It's like, no, I truly believe this. And and that's what I hear you saying. Mm -hmm. And I I think many people, including myself at times, really struggle with that. Do you really got me, God? Mm -hmm. Do you still see me? Mm -hmm. Do you still understand the needs I have? Mm -hmm. And so I think the picture that you have painted, I don't question that at all. Yeah. I think is a great answer. I think okay. that's exactly <laughs> I was like, where I you're he was at. Gonna laugh a little no. bit, but I was like, but it's I mean, really ultimately. I just man. Th- you know, through yeah. the through the show The Chosen, mm-hmm. I've just thought, Yeah, of course I'd love Jesus. But then I'd get in trouble all the time because I was naughty. <laughs> Peter and I could get in trouble. Get <laughs> <laughs> into some big trouble. <laughs> Major trouble. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I that's why we ask the question yeah. because everybody has a unique perspective. Right. And it's, why did you choose that person? And, you know, because at, at first I thought about the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I don't want to be with him. He's always in prison. <laughs> you know, I'd rather be with Peter. I'd be free. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, I, re- I really, I really love how you have put that. I hope you listening today caught that. And if you're struggling with where Jesus is at in your life and did he cause something or is he walking alongside of you that you really caught? the walking alongside of you. As we wrap up today, is there anything you'd love to leave our listeners with? I mean, I, okay. So just know if you're going through this or whatever you're going through, you don't have to muster up the super strength and supply it. God's he's the provider. He'll strengthen you. That's where he works best, right? When we're weak and we realize I can't go any further. And that's uh, what I learned through a Bible study that I'm going through, God's margin. Um, we're studying Gideon and Priscilla, mm-hmm. Priscilla Schreier, and she talks about God's margin where we can only take it so far and God's like, good, because I yeah. got it from here, yeah. you know, and and knowing that he's going to, he's our constant, he's faithful, he's going to supply all your needs and, and um, learn to be thankful in the waiting. We don't like to wait, you know, and going through the season and there's, it's a process, a journey. It's life is just all about waiting. And it reminds us that we aren't God. And we don't, we wouldn't say, oh, oh, look at me, I'm God, right? But the ways that we do it, I think when we're annoyed or we're impatient, you know, we're, when we're human, right? Are you, we, are you calling me out we, right I'm now. not looking at you, I'm looking <laughs> over here. And so, you know, and, but that's just one of the ways that yeah. we kind of demonstrate that we were God. Mm-hmm. And um, Acts 17, 28 says, in him, we live, move, exist. Waiting goes beyond uh, and against our very nature, but it draws us closer to God just about anything else. And I, if you are struggling with um, life's not fair, I, I love, um, so 50 Days of Hope is what took me through mm-hmm. this. It was given to me from a friend at church. And I was like, I mean, I have it daily here. Still a year later, I look through it and it's full of great reminders. And so every time I hear someone who's got breast cancer, um, I'll mail it to him. Mm-hmm. And because it just brought me so much hope. And I think even if you don't have cancer, there's so much hope and so much goodness of mm-hmm. God's word in it and encouragement that like, I'm like, just everybody needs this book. But um, it's when I mentioned earlier, don't confuse life with God. Yep. It's this section in there. And in uh, Philip Yancey's book, it's called Disappointment with God. He writes about a man named Douglas who he interviewed and he thought 
Douglas would be great because you know what? He's going to have disappointment with God because looking at his life, he's like, it's been so unfair. Um, his wife battling metastatic breast cancer. And then Douglas was involved in a car accident with a drunk driver, suffered a horrible head injury, left him permanently disabled, often in pain. He's now unable to work full time. And so Yancey asked Douglas, right? I know. Asked him of unfairness and describe his disappointment with God. Like you must be disappointed in God, right? Mm -hmm. Why God? You know, it's unfair. Douglas, he said, he didn't feel any. He instead told Yancey this. He said, I've learned to see beyond the physical reality in this world to the spiritual reality. We tend to think life should be fair because God is fair, but God is not life. And if I confuse God with the physical reality of life by expecting constant good health, for example, then I set myself up for a crashing disappointment. If we develop a relationship with God apart from our life circumstances, then we may be able to hang on when the physical reality breaks down. We can learn to trust God despite all the unfairness of life. Mm. That's good. See, a lot of good wisdom in this book. And I was like, geez, just whatever What's you're feeling, the all the again? different stages. 50 Days of Hope by Lynn Eib, Eb, E-I-B. How would you say that? I, I'm not going to I know, right? <laughs> so that's why I spelled it. Lynn, it's a little green book, 50 awesome. Days of Hope. Oh, Lauren, it's been so good. Thank you. What a way I to end it. it. That is, uh, it's powerful. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.